this dear translation in modern English, the Phillips translation, and it's 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. Here, then, is the message we heard him give. God is light, and not the faintest shadow of darkness can exist in him. Consequently, if we were to say that we enjoyed fellowship with him and still went on living in darkness, we should be both telling and living a lie. But if we really are living in the same light in which he eternally exists, then we have true fellowship with each other, and the blood which he shed for us keeps us clean from any and every sin. If we refuse to admit that we are sinners, then we live in a world of illusion, and truth becomes a stranger to us. But if we freely admit that we have sinned, we find God utterly reliable and straightforward. He forgives our sins and makes us thoroughly clean from all that is evil. For if we take up the attitude, we have not sinned, we flatly deny God's diagnosis of our condition and cut ourselves off from what he has to say to us. I write these things to you. May I call you my children, for that's how I think of you. I write these things to you, children, to help you to avoid sin. But if a man should sin, remember that our advocate before God is Jesus Christ, the righteous, the one who made personal atonement for our sins and for those of the rest of the world as well. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Carrie Jane, for reading our passage. Thank you, Earl, and the music team, for guiding us into worship this morning. If you have a Bible in front of you, you can turn to the passage we just heard read. 1 John chapter 1, we'll be starting in verse 5. It was on August 5th. 2010, a gold and copper mine in the Atacama Desert of Chile collapsed. You no doubt remember this story, or you've heard a lot about it since then, but it left 33 workers trapped, nearly half a mile underground. Immediate attempts at rescue were unsuccessful. Two days later, there was a second collapse, and to make things even worse, the maps of the mine's structure that they had access to turned out to be outdated and not correct. All 33 of the miners that were trapped, they survived the collapse, but all they could do was wait to be rescued. 
Now, they were hard at work while they were trapped. They rationed tiny amounts of food and water to stay alive until supplies could finally be lowered down to them. But drilling rigs were brought in to create tunnels for their rescue. They had plan A, they had plan B, they had plan C. All the drilling rigs were hard at work. And finally, 69 days after the collapse, all 33 workers were rescued. 69 days underground. It's hard to imagine how traumatic that must have been for those miners to be trapped in the virtual darkness without no sunlight for 69 days, without any way to rescue themselves. That's a fitting metaphor for our spiritual lives. Apart from Christ, we're trapped in darkness with no way to escape ourselves, and Jesus brings us to the light. Now, our rescue, our salvation in Jesus is a done deal, and yet in the Christian life, we can sometimes want to creep back down into that darkness that Jesus saved us from. And we can struggle, practically speaking, to maintain a close walk in fellowship with God in the light, as we're called to do in our passage this morning. That, that would be sort of like those miners, after they've been rescued, 69 days in the dark, being rescued, and then every once in a while, just for fun, for some R&R, heading back down into that mine that collapsed over their heads. It would be unthinkable, but it's human nature for us to do that spiritually, isn't it? And the Apostle John writes these powerful words in his first letter to this very struggle, speaking to believers about maintaining fellowship with God in the light. We continue our series through John's letters that we've called Love Without Fear. Uh, the, The love of Christ frees us to love God, to love one another without fear. As we saw last week, the Apostle John is passing along what he's heard firsthand from Jesus. He's got the clear desire that the church would maintain a right fellowship with God and each other. In our text this morning, John invites us out of the darkness of sin and fear that we tend to want to creep back into and into the light, into a life of walking in the light, in the presence of God. So would you bow with me as we turn to this passage? Well, our Father, as we have just sang in praise to you, we do ask that you would speak. Speak to us now from these words that were written so long ago and yet through the power of your Spirit still speak to us today. And so do your work among us this morning. Transform hearts, draw us closer to you. We give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So look at 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. I'm reading from the ESV. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. So stop right there for a moment. This is the message we've heard from him, John says. In other words, making it clear, again, this is from Jesus himself, passed on. I I got this from the master, and now I'm giving it to you. John anchors his teaching with this metaphor of light and darkness. 
And first speaking of God's nature as one of light, and then he draws on that for the implications for our lives, our walk with God in the light. Remember, he's writing to believers in verses 1 through 4 we saw last week. His desire is for his readers to have fellowship with God, to uh, fellowship with one another, and to have fullness of joy. Well, this contrast of light and dark is used throughout Scripture so many times in different ways, primarily as a metaphor for other truth, other realities. John uses light and dark in his gospel to point to the revelation of Jesus as Savior. And then Jesus says in himself in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. And that statement from Jesus is an important one for us this morning as we uh, look at 1 John chapter 1. But this, par- this statement from Jesus here is parallel to our passage this morning, and it makes this important connection between light and life. As Jesus said, they will have the light of life. Now with this in mind, we can read our passage in 1 John. We could say God is light. We could understand that as God is life, God is also the source of life. In him is no death. John uses a really strong double negative here in the Greek to really drive this point home. In God's nature, there is no darkness. There is no death. There's not even a slight lack of life. Therefore, John says, this should impact our life, practically. It should impact how we live or how we walk, he says. We're called to walk in the light. And so, of course, this is connected to our behavior. But we have to be careful here. We have to pause and make sure that we're staying on the right track as we keep moving through this passage. Because our tendency, mine is, I don't know about yours, but our tendency often is to jump only to outward behavior. And we can turn a passage like this into a guilt trip or a pointing finger as in, hey, God is perfectly good, and if you're anything less then you have no fellowship with God. Shame on you, right? And if that's true, then verse 7 would be saying, if you perfectly walk in the light, then you'll have fellowship with God. And if you perfectly walk in the light, then the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all sin. But wait, that's not the gospel. So we can't be tempted to read in a works righteousness into a passage that is not teaching it. It's not get your act together. It's not pull yourself out of the darkness and get into the light so then you can be with God. That is not what John is teaching. Like the Chilean miners, they had to be rescued, literally lifted out into the light. We come to Jesus for salvation by faith, and he, by his grace, pulls us out of sin, out of death, and into his light. He went down into the darkness of the cross into the darkness of the grave, so we could have the life that he gives. And this is the gospel. It's not only how we come to Christ, but this gospel is the whole Christian life. So let's reread verse 7 with John's connection to light and life in mind. We could paraphrase it maybe like this, but if we come to the source of life, we will experience that life in fellowship with God and one another and his blood cleanses us from all sin. Remember Jesus' words again in John chapter 8. What does he say? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, 
but will have the light of life. This is not a condemnation. This is a promise. Jesus' words here and John's are an invitation to follow the only true source of light, the only true source of life, so we can experience the fullness of joy that John, last week we saw, wants us to live in. Now this becomes even clearer as we continue our passage. Look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So let's follow his train of thought here. Walking in the light cannot be sinless perfection, can it? Because of what we just read. John is saying that part of walking in the light is acknowledging that we do have sin in our hearts. Still, as believers, and even as believers in Jesus, we can know the gospel, and yet practically in our lives we can forget it. We can fail to live it out, right? We can know that we've been forgiven, given life by Jesus, but we can feel differently sometimes. We can feel a shame that makes us think, well, I need to do better myself. I need to get my act together. I need to stop sinning in order to be welcomed back into God's presence again. But that never works, does it? Because Jesus is the only source of life. So we need to be with Jesus. We need to come to Jesus for him to give us that ability to have right fellowship with God. And so to walk in the light as believers means to be honest with God about our sin. John invites us here to confess our sins that we spoke together in the call to worship this morning. And what's the gospel promise here? He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. He's faithful to do it, John says. This is a promise. If we come to him confessing our sin, he doesn't just forgive us sometimes when he feels like it and not others. He's faithful to keep his promise. Remember, Jesus tells us to forgive others 70 times 7. Don't stop forgiving. And we think he's going to do any less? He's not only faithful, John says, but John tells us that he is just to do that. Now, don't miss this. He is both faithful and just to forgive our sin. This word just is the word for righteous, meaning that when God forgives, he acts righteously. He acts justly. And so it's not only according to his goodness and kindness and grace that God forgives us, but it's in perfect line with his righteousness, with his justice, with his holiness. And it's easy for us to forget that. On the cross, Jesus took the full weight of our sin upon himself, past, present, future, all of our sin on himself, so God now is just to forgive our sin. Sometimes when we sin, we can wallow in our guilt and our shame, and we can beat ourselves up. Have you ever done that before? And we keep ourselves from coming back into God's presence, as if that's the holy thing to do, right? Because I I feel the weight of my sin. God would not want to be with me, not after I've failed him yet again. But that's just another way we, as John says, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us when we do that. 
When we do that, we're telling God that the sacrifice of Jesus wasn't enough. That we need to contribute. We think we're recognizing the seriousness of our sin when really we're minimizing the power of the cross and the empty tomb. So there's nothing holy about running from God when we sin. There's nothing holy about hiding in the bushes like Adam and Eve did. What is holy is taking God at his word, trusting what he said, that he is both faithful and just to forgive our sin. Coming to the source of life again and again and again, receiving his light and life. But on the other hand, we go astray if we think, well, hey, if God just keeps on forgiving me, then I can sin all I want. This is a very real danger to fall into that trap because the gospel is so incredible. God's grace is so freeing. But Paul brings this up in Romans 5 and 6 when he's teaching about how much greater grace is than our sin. And so Paul says, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. God forbid. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Paul says. So Paul tells us there that we have been baptized into Christ's death so we might walk in newness of life, right? Because we've been rescued, we've been pulled out into the light so we might walk now in the light. And so the gospel is never a license to keep on sinning. Rather, John is teaching that we'll want to stay away from the darkness the more we see how beautiful the light really is. So look at chapter 2 and verse 1. John's continuing this train of thought. My little children. And I love the way that this part came across in the Phillips translation that Carrie Jane read for us. This is a term of affection. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So John clarifies, as if anticipating our objection here, I'm writing this so you don't sin. I'm not giving you license to sin. I want you not to sin. But if you do, and you will, because I've already said you will, then look to Jesus. And he says two very important things to remember about Jesus when we sin as believers. First, he is our advocate. And second, he is the propitiation for our sins. That's a fancy theological term that means atoning sacrifice. The sacrifice of Jesus, as we've said, covers our sin completely. And if that weren't enough, the first thing that John told us is he's also our advocate in heaven. Advocate is the Greek word where we get paraclete. That's a term given also to the spirit. In the ancient world, a paraclete or advocate was a friend who would speak up on behalf of someone who was accused. When we sin, Jesus is our advocate. He speaks up on our behalf before the Father. Jesus makes a case for us, pointing back to his atoning sacrifice. Now, this doesn't mean the Father's not on our side. It doesn't mean that Jesus has to convince the Father because he doesn't want to show us mercy. It was the Father who sent the Son to be the atoning sacrifice. This is just part of how, in the mystery of how the triune God operates, Jesus' role now in our salvation is pointing back to his sacrifice that has already paid for the mercy that he is pleading for. We're beginning to see a bit more of what John means here by fullness of joy. 
He wants us to have fullness of joy, and then he unfolds the gospel for us in this power and beauty. So the only right response to this invitation is joy. It's a desire to be closer to Jesus, to walk in his light, to see sin have less and less of a grip on our hearts. Because when we, when we come to Jesus, we don't graduate from the gospel and then move on to the Christian life. The gospel is the Christian life. Now John will continue to teach us throughout this letter what it means to walk in the light, what it means to love God and others. But from this text that we've seen this morning, we can see that part of walking in the light is being honest about the darkness in our hearts. To take God at his word so that when we sin, we won't believe the lies of shame and run from God, but we'll come back again and again to the source of life to be continually transformed. We don't change by our own effort and then come to Jesus. We come as we are to Jesus and be changed and transformed. So walking in the light is not sinless perfection, as John makes so clear. So let's call walking in the light something like a heart posture, someone who's been brought into the light. Walking in the light is an openness to the light, whereas walking in the darkness would be a refusal to the light, completely cutting yourself off from the light. And as we step into the light, more and more we'll be exposed. In the light of his glory, we will see more about us that is not consistent with the light. And then again and again, we'll have to tell ourselves the truth. We'll have to tell one another the truth about the sacrifice of Jesus and the truth of the gospel. That even as more of us that we don't like is exposed, we will stick with Jesus. We will not run from him. We'll keep pressing into that light. And so John teaches us that we stay honest and open before God by confessing our sins. And so we can ask ourselves, is confession a regular part of our prayer life? Jesus put it in the Lord's Prayer alongside requesting daily bread, so it's meant to be a daily practice. Confession is meant to lead us to more freedom and joy, not to confront us with sin to give us more shame. And if you're one who struggles with shame over your sin, you would do well to meditate on this passage, to memorize this text, take hold of the truth that God is both faithful and just to forgive you of your sin every time you confess. Confession, of course, is primarily to God who we have sinned against, but confession, as the Apostle James teaches us, is also to one another. There's incredible power and freedom when we confess our sins to one another, to a trusted brother or sister in Christ, to be honest with each other about the darkness in our hearts, to speak forgiveness over one another. It's part of how we as a community can walk in the light together. So God can use us to encourage one another to keep walking in the light. As the world watched and waited to see if those miners would be rescued, no one was saying, you know what, those miners, they really got to get their act together, right? They have their pickaxes down there, right? It's only a half a mile, come on. It was obvious that there was no hope for them apart from rescue. Without Christ, there is no hope for us. 
Jesus comes down into our darkness to pull us up into the light of his presence. As John reminds us, his blood alone cleanses us from sin, makes us right with God. That's true of trusting Christ for salvation, and again, it's the whole Christian life. We have been brought into the light, and yet in our foolishness and in our pride, we kind of want to keep creeping back into the darkness, don't we? We think, yeah, that pit looks pretty good this time of year. The harsh words we might give our spouse or a friend, we want to creep back into the darkness. When we hang on to bitterness and unforgiveness, we creep back in the darkness. When we bend the truth to make ourselves look better, we creep back in the darkness. And those are just a few sins of commission. Think of all the ways we creep back into the darkness with sins of omission. When we neglect to seek the presence of God with all our hearts. When we neglect the needs of those around us. And that's just human nature. Even as those who have been brought into the light, who have been eternally rescued by Jesus to time and time again creep back into the light. John says we all have sin in our hearts. But John shows us there's no reason for us to stay there. Because the blood of Jesus is enough to cover the sins of the whole world, so it's enough to cover us when we fail again. If you belong to Jesus, then you belong in the light with him. It's not about your worthiness, it's not about your goodness, it's about his. Jesus said, follow me and you'll never walk in darkness, but you'll have the light of life. It's not about our perfect performance, it's about following Jesus. Think of all the tax collectors and the sinners that were with Jesus. They were in the light because they were with him. They were with Jesus. As imperfect as they were, they were in the light. It was the religious elite, wasn't it? That the ones outwardly behaving well were deceiving themselves. The truth was not in them. But we follow Jesus, the light of the world. If we walk in the light, John says, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Would you bow with me? Well, Father, we thank you for the clarity and the power of these words. That for many of us, these words are familiar to us. And at times, a passage can become so familiar that we can just brush past its truth, its power. And so we ask that you would root this truth deep in our hearts, whether we're walking close to Christ right now or whether we're in a season where we feel like we've drifted far away. Or if there's one here who has never come to Jesus Christ, I pray that the beauty of the gospel would become clear to them even this morning and that they would call out to you to be made right with you by the blood of Jesus. So help us to believe this truth. Help us to come back to Jesus to find grace and mercy and fellowship with you daily. Free us from the lies of the enemy. Free us from the lies of shame that keep us from walking in the light. And help us as a community, as a church family, to speak this truth over one another, that we would spur each other on to love and good deeds. And all this by the life of Christ in us, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you.